way it bizarrely started out as just kind of a joke in the first place and turned into something that we took extremely serious yeah. as really wild and we hope we made a, a good uh, attempt at trying to pull together years and years of continuity. One story. The story beneath the story. The story beneath the story, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're reminding people a little bit what makes those characters so great, you know? Are we? I think so. I hope so. This project was really uh, just an, an honor to be involved in, and oh, hope All you right. enjoy it. Yep. So. Bye. Welcome to this week's episode of Mex Flintayo. It's I, as always, the true outlaw of comics, Ramon Villalobos. With me, as always, take them or leave them, Daniel Idizakri. How's it going? It's going all right. And uh, I'm just going to cut right to it this week because we want to do a sort of, not abbreviated, but we want to make sure that we don't go four hours long. That way we can get this up like as soon as possible. And this week we got with us... My good buddy, Ibrahim Mustafa. What's crack alaikum salam, gentlemen? How's it going? <laughs> Salam alaikum, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Boogie, uh, what was it? Well, I forget. I'm fucking up your, your breakdance name. What was it? Oh, uh, Raw Boogie. Raw Boogie. <laughs> Ra Boogie, my guy. Yeah, we wanted to have you on this week because we had a passing in the comics industry. Was it earlier this week or was it the end of last week? It was Sunday. Sunday was morning. Sunday, right. John Paul Leone passed away and um, I... I've been a fan of his work for a long time, but not nearly to the extent of Ibrahim. Like when, you know, the way I know the, the way we would always frame it is like sometimes we would jokingly like attack each other's heroes. So he would go after quietly and I'd be like, oh, John Paul Leone, like, can he get a thicker brush? Is that possible? <laughs> you know, like stuff like that, you know, but like, you know, always from a pace, place of love because we just know like. These it's, are yeah. It's like two two sports fans being like, ah, oh, well, you know, uh, <laughs> Steph Curry, blah blah blah. Okay, well, he's a ball hog. Okay, well, guess right. what? You know, Dame Lillard. Blah, blah. Exactly. So like, I was like, well, I gotta have you on because I know he's in your like top seven, easy, right? Yeah. Oh, top five, even top five. Well, you know, I go sevens, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, ironically, for God, months now. Since we started the show, Daniel has been saying, we got to do Earth X. And I was like, yeah. well, why? Like, <laughs> and to be honest with you. first comic suggestion. It was literally like, yeah, it was literally your first one. It was the one that you've been like sort of going, Earth X. And I was like, uh, later, we're going to do Rush Limbaugh Must Die. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to go through the seminal works before we get to Earth X. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, this this book is like formative for me. Like I, I'm not, I'm not trying to like out simp Ibrahim or anything. Yeah, you um, have to, I will not be out simped. But <laughs> I, and the funny thing is that I also feel very passionately about Frank Whiteley. So I'm kind of a happy medium here well, not, between you're not your rivalries. You're not going to me for sure. Impossible. <laughs> I realize this. I realize no, I'm a, this, I'm but... a big Quietly fan too, for the record. 
with I'm a, stuff. I'm a, I feel like yeah. Just to be clear, I love John Paulione and Ibrahim loves Frank quite. You, you, Daniel, but... you know what it's like to be friends with Ramon. Sometimes, like he makes yeah, you no, attack he'll... things you love. <laughs> he will insult things with absolutely no passion, no reason whatsoever, other than just because you like it. I, I, I've had him, I've like, I've had him defending or attacking Mad Max Fury Road, uh, in the chat for for like hours today speaking of passionately attacking things that you love how is your mom doing <laughs> <laughs> my mom's doing great actually. i'm just kidding calm down relax i'm sorry you're hearing my cat probably yeah it's morning um yeah no he's still sad about the news um. and <laughs> yeah it, it like this book was one of the first books i bought like when i finally got to college and i moved to borders like i moved to borders i, <laughs> right. I went to college i practically lived in borders to be honest but uh it you kept one of those kids me, sitting crisscross on the floor in the aisle just that i would uh, i'd have to time. like jump over them <laughs> <laughs> it was always like emo kids making out it was Couldn't... it was uh yeah there was always those kids that were in the borders like iowa this is the perfect borders book too because like i said it is so unruly and it's and it's like expensive. Yeah, you it's have not to, like a. You you have to leave a bookmark in it at the store, and then you go back to it <laughs> once a week. That's essentially how I consumed it until I could afford it. Yeah, well, and like you know, it's funny because this is there. This is the Marvel answer to Kingdom Come, which is basically, okay, look into the future. What is this dystop? What is this world like if it's a dystopia? And you know, designs by Alex Ross. But whereas that book is fairly concise, you know, it's like, what, five, six issues? Four. Four big issues. That's right. Four big issues. Uh, This one is 12 issues plus an extra size zero issue plus I think an extra size 13th issue and a 1.5 issue. And then it has like X tie-ins. And then it has... Universe X. Then it has also... At the end of each chapter, like sort of Watchmen, Watchmen like extra content, where the narrator of the book, uh, the the Watcher, is talking to X fifty one. Yeah, it's the designs. So I'm thinking, oh, we get to the back of each issue. Here's a cool design page. Alex Ross will be like, so I made Captain America bald for this reason, and instead it's just like <laughs> the Watcher still talking, and I'm like, bro, this. And it would be different if it was like kind of interesting. But the Watcher is just the most boring person of all time. <laughs> I think like, they mapped out they mapped out every single person's uh, like history or like their future, and yeah. and felt the need to tell you about it. And so much of this could have been cut. So much of this could have been like uh, left on the on the on the writer's table. Yeah, it's that thing in world building where they say show the reader the tip of the iceberg but then you know about the mass of ice underneath the water but they were like here's the whole thing you know in different parts yeah they, throughout they put the, the iceberg book. on the back of the book right yeah and what's ironic is like so there's a zero issue which is amazing because it is literally just here is the entire history of you of mankind through the Marvel universe as drawn by John Paulion which is as like, drawn by John yeah. Paulion like an amazing artist and like Every time you see like a new character show up, you're like, damn, I want to read that book. Like literally every time there's yeah. like a new thing, I'm just like, fuck, dude, give me a Captain Marvel by Jean-Paul Leon. Like this is fucking tight. And I, like if it was if this was the zero issue, like it's 
it, it is essential because it sets up the premise, which is the watcher is blind and he needs somebody to like watch things for him now. <laughs> so who watches the, uh, who watches for the watchman or whatever. Um, so he gets, he gets a machine man out of bed and does like a crazy, like, uh, he pulls a 2001, which is ironic. It's a nice little subtle, subtle Easter egg for the fans because machine man, of course, was from the 2001 Marvel tie in comic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 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 That's it, where it he feels came like from. It, it feels very intentional and, uh, like, I, I like if you read this whole book, you end up applauding this methodical approach to all like completely comprehensive uh, take on the Marvel universe. Yeah, you it know, is, I'm I'm not yeah. super well versed on all that history, so to have it in this very digestible form, you know, drawn by JPL was was pretty cool. I yeah, I mean that's my that's my thing. Like we'll talk about it in a bit because we want to talk about the the first issue, the zero issue, a little bit. But the uh, if if you're looking at this as just like a history kind of book of the Marvel universe, like all you need is is this one issue. Yeah. Like it's so perfectly done, and it's got like some intrigue about like why you're reading it, which is just like the the uh, the Machine Man has been like robbed of his face and disconnected from mankind for so long, and you know he has to remember like the history of everything. For the first time, it's like so. It's so well done, but uh, but as an entirety of the full like fourteen issues of this fucking comic, like the the thing that really stands out the most is like, wow, how did John Paul Leon do this? Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a testament to his greatness that he was able to like keep this whole thing from like falling apart over and over. I imagine though, as like an artist, that would be a really dope assignment where it's like okay for you know 50 pages you basically get to do double page spreads that are like non-contiguous visuals you know what i mean you gotta get to get into this cool montage of like seminal huge moments within this marvel universe and then like move on to the next one like that'd be a lot of it's kind of like when you were doing those double page spreads for dc those never came out Oh, right, that's right. what <laughs> that's what uh, history of the Marvel Universe became eventually, like very recently. They uh, was it Javier Javier Mart- Martin or Javier Rodriguez? I don't know. Who, um, well, they, I don't know about. they basically published a, a whole series, which was uh, written by Mark Wade, and it was literally just uh, the most beautiful spreads possible. Um, that would basically like relay the the story uh, of each important character, each important era, but in a much more clean way. Like this was like a prototype to that. I feel Earth X was a prototype to that. Yeah, was this before um, or after Marvels? Do you know? Was no, this after. was definitely after Marvels yeah. because it's yeah. Marvels, Kingdom Come, and then this. Yeah, Marvels does the same thing except for. You know, it's all painted by Alex Ross. Like, but this is the beginning of all history. That is like the Marvel universe, like the '60s Marvel stuff that you know, and like some of the stuff from like the '40s and everything. This is literally like, okay, at the creation of mankind and Earth as a thing, like, how did that? How did it come to be that there were all these people here? 
And it's like, it is fascinating. It's a cool, like, mythology. Um, but as, like, a comic, it's like, this is a great history book. <laughs> Can you imagine like yeah. if you knew someone who lost their sight and you had to basically do what Machine Man did for Uatu, <laughs> but it's just like an old man, like, talking at you? That is that is a little bit what it felt like. <laughs> you know I mean? It is, yeah. And the whole book, like, uh, so, here's, so here's, here's what I'm trying to get at, which is, Ibrahim read the zero issue because it's the first issue in the trade. And I read it too, because Daniel said it was essential, but it is 60 pages of unessential stuff, frankly. <laughs> and then the first issue is a completely separate thing set in the dystopian future, which Ibrahim did not get a chance to read because this was kind of a short notice thing. And while we've all loved this book and like the art in it, we love John Paul Leone. Like nobody's reading this book because because of the story. You want to flip through it because you see all the cool stuff. Honestly, the funny thing is, a lot of people are like recently buying it. A lot of people are picking this book up now because of uh the tragic news. Oh, you're right, right, right. Yeah, like uh this, and a lot of people are like asking about the Winterman. Um, apparently, like I own some like I I could make easily like uh. A lot of money off my Winterman trade paperback, but obviously I'm not selling it. But it's it is now a commodity because weird, of the sad weird, news. One of the weirdest flexes you've ever done on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's just that I, I rarely own physical books. You're like, damn! If I wanted to, I could really capitalize off of one of my favorite artists' like tragic passings. Like, I got yeah, too much okay. integrity. I got too um, much integrity, no ego. I'm just zen let's, completely. Let's uh, let's go back a bit and just talk about like John Paul Leone as an artist and like why he's so I feel like important, impressive. Like why we like his art style to begin with. Like, do you have any thoughts that you want to like share about that? Because I know yeah. you, you both are big. Uh, I I it's it's said like over and over, so I I don't want to like um overemphasize. But, like, there's a reason why uh, he's called, like, your favorite artist's artist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Favorite artist's favorite artist. It is uh, a level of composition, like, from the start. Every single person who kind of uh, interacted with him kind of, like, came to the same sort of realization that when they were seeing his pages they were seeing something that was like unattainable almost something that was um captured human naturalism while at the same time uh displaying a sort of like abstraction or like an artistic ease that uh, not even like alex ross uh, gets to the realism of the gestures that yeah. that John Paul Leone gives his his figures. Oh, totally, because Alex Ross is all photograph, and this is not that. This is like a, like a realism that is just based in in cartooning because he's just like a you know sort of genius. Yeah, sort of I genius mean, genius illustrator in the top sense. He definitely used reference, but he was able to to boil it down to the barest essentials in a way that is pretty unique to like that more realistic style. Like the, you know, the difference between him and Alex Ross is Alex Ross will, will paint every highlight and every wrinkle on the shirt. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas he's doing this chiaro obscura, like very high contrast thing. 
And one of my favorite things about his work is that he's somebody that you can rediscover as you get better. Like when yeah. I first saw it, I was uh, Alex Ross was the thing that got me into comics. Right, I saw his work mm-hmm. and I was just blown away by it. But I was like, yeah. "You can do that? I didn't know that." You know, <laughs> and then that of course led me as I went down the rabbit hole to find Earth X. Um, and I I remember you know, flipping through it and, and thinking like, oh yeah, I like this art, right? It was, I didn't have the vocabulary or the understanding of why I liked a lot of this stuff. It just like, it's the stuff that spoke to me. But now as a, as a working professional and, you know, someone who's been drawing for much longer than I was back then, I can look at it with this whole new appreciation for what it is that, you know, I is, and I think that's why to touch on what you said, Daniel, is that he's your favorite artist, favorite artist, right? Because, he was able to do things that all of us look at with envy, like, God, how does he just strip it down like that? You know, and yet still maintain such like power within the imagery because like, it's so bold. Like every line he does is bold and it's like forceful, but in a very graceful way. It's like so uber confident. Yes. Like when I draw something, I'll like redraw a hand like eight times or whatever. I'll like, really think okay is this line right oh is this you know like mm-hmm. i'll like it'll be labored and then to the point where maybe it's gonna get start getting stiff so i have to just be like, okay no fuck it i have to draw this now otherwise it's just gonna start being and, really forced and you know what's interesting and, about that is you can see on his originals like tons of white out you're right but yeah. but he's still there's still something about drawing with ink on top of white out that you're like well you can't really pencil over white out because it's hard to erase so so like there I, it looks like he's doing something very confident deciding against it and then doing another confident thing over the top of it, which is my it, it's And it's like something that it's hard to like, it's really hard to, to quantify like how that's done. Like you, ha- it has to be sort of inborn. Like you, it's not like you, you don't practice and get better and everything, but like, I, for example, you know, I work with, I've worked with Daniel Warren Johnson, like at his place, watched him work for a day. And I just don't understand how his mind works. Yeah. Because <laughs> he'll do the same exact thing where he'll just like slop ink down, slop white out down. And I'm just like, this dude's looking nuts. He's looking like a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> and then I look at it when it's done. It's like, well, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? It's different. It's different than John Paul Leon. Like Daniel has the same sort of like natural movement, but not the same realism at all. And like, you know, and it's the thing that it's another cliche is like, he's a, like a draftsman. Like people say he's the ultimate draftsman. And, like, when you're young, you don't really understand what that means. Like, oh, it's like, what is he fucking using, you know, like, a draft board and, like, you know, has all the lines everywhere and everything. But, like, it really is about, like, just the layout is so solid and where he puts his black is so smart. It's the thing is, like, it's it's about how smart he is about how he works. Mm -hmm. What's funny is we're we're talking about, like, his this this degree of confidence this admiration that we have for uh the the power of his pages and in preparation for this i i checked out a couple of like interviews and podcasts that he did uh one in which he was talking uh exclusively about alex toth Hmm. and he speaks about toth in the same tone that we're talking about him right now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like he has an absolute reverence for Tote's confidence, his line, his decision making while <laughs> while displaying an incredible sense of self-doubt 
about his own work and how yeah. it could never reach that ideal that Toth left in in his mind and i it's just fascinating to sort of like be on the opposite side of that conversation now talking about him yeah <laughs> right yeah um like he he always felt like he felt short and yeah. it's it's crazy it, it, it but um well it's like it's like my good friend frank quietly says we're all sort of links in a chain <laughs> like he considers me the link in his chain and that kind of thing you know he he officially um, stunned you in a good way. I mean, yeah, he said, you know, you know, today I, I, I said, I, it was very awkward because there was like a cover that came out and I was like, oh, that's sweet. Now, before he was on Twitter, I would always just be like, this is sick. Go emoji. Right. <laughs> and now I don't want to do that because he follows me, but I'm still going to do it because the cover is sick and I just got to get it out there. Right. <laughs> so I go to his page. I'm like, did he tweet about it? No. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to tweet it out. Right. So I tweeted out like, "But yo, these infrareds, you know, like wow, wow, wow." That's all I tweeted. You want it? You want uh, to do the retweet? If he had, if he had it, I would have done the retweet for sure. I always do. But he retweeted me, and I was like, "You know how the, you know how sick that is to just be like, I'm Eminem. You're putting out verses through Stan, <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, the it, I, I only bring that up that long extended like weird flex because." Like, because you're still feeling is, yourself, basically. Well, just because, <laughs> like, it had to be like what it's like to be one of those like, like he loves Toth, and he is now that Toth, right? Like, mm -hmm. he, he, he takes up that space where, like, I'm not gonna like look. I have the Zoro book. I'm not gonna read that, but I'll I'll look at this stuff. And I looked at like Terminal and uh, Shadow of the Bat, mm -hmm. and you know all the like you know the. the uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Ibrahim, you're gonna fucking hate oh, me because I'm blanking on the name. No, Ibrahim. Mother Panic? Mother Panic. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Oh. Um, links in a chain. Like, what was it like when you were like, I'm gonna do this now? Well, um, the first time that I kind of, uh, followed his work, you know, professionally was, um, when I did a, a vertigo book called savage things with Justin Jordan, oh my and Jordan God. Boyd. And yeah, I forgot about that one too. Yeah. And they asked like the editor was like, Hey, who do you, who would you want on covers? And I was like, well, I mean, ideally John Paul Leon, but you know, he's probably busy. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, let me ask. And he had time. I was like, Oh my God. So, I mean, off the bat, like getting emails with his interpretations of characters that I designed was just like fucking, it's gotta be crazy. Oh, it was amazing. Like, and, and, you know, I, I did that, uh, DC new talent workshop or talent development workshop back in like 2016. And that was, I got selected for that, like literally right around the same time that I got that vertigo book. And so, uh, when I arrived to the DC offices, they set up cubicles for each of us and I set my bag down and I look up and the editor, Jamie Rich had pinned a printout of the first cover sketch to the cubicle that you know was my little workstation so yeah. and it was like right at eye level and it was just like the dopest way to usher in that experience and like you know it was an amazing experience in and of itself but that remains like one of the highlights of it for me um so yeah i mean that was amazing and then like you know we'd get every every month we'd get sketches from him and it was just like 
I mean, literally, it would be like, well, okay, so this will be the cover for number two, and then actually sketch options two and three can be the covers for three and four or something like, you know, like, <laughs> right. like uh, unless it wasn't relevant to what was in the issue, then then he'd do some different ones. But, I mean, you know, his sense of design and just uh, his ability to, like, encapsulate what was in the script in just a single image. And a lot of times, you know, he'd be working ahead of me because I was working on the interior pages, so... I would then base a lot of some of the stuff in the book off of what he did in his cover design, uh, which was cool. And then, yeah, by the time Mother Panic came around, like I had already been reading it because, you know, I was a fan of Tommy Lee Edwards and his work. Um, and I had his his three issues that he did just like constantly at my desk while I was drawing that book. Um, and I And I even changed my style up a little bit to be a little more high contrast to kind of fit in keeping with what he had done um so yeah i mean just just an immense influence on on me and like uh you know it's a it's it made me grow like so much quicker like exponentially faster just knowing that either you know his work was on the cover of this book and people were gonna open it and i wanted to mitigate the disappointment that they felt you know (laughs) once they broke it open yeah uh and then of course you know on mother panic like I mean, God, it was for sure going to go on the same shelf as his work and people's collections if they were reading the book. So it's like, I got to really step it up here, you know? No biggie. Yeah. I mean, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, it's that, like, you know, that was just a great segue by me to bring up the links in the chain, all that, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is a testament to my ability as like a podcaster here, but uh, that's cool. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it, it's, I, I can't imagine the pressure. Yeah. I had to just not think about it because then, you know, I would get all up in my head and, you know, <laughs> like I just had to trust that like, it's, it's like trying to, you know, if somebody in front of you has a really cool walk and then you're following them. You're like, Oh, am I going to try to walk like them? Like, no, I'll just walk like I do and hope I don't trip. You know, yeah, cause I'll look wild if I just start trying to like do, be like him. You know, what is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> but so much, so much time uh, early on in my drawing was like basically completely absorbed in trying to replicate this high contrast stuff. Mm. Like once you see it, it's impossible to not try to draw this way yeah uh, because and, you see uh, how much more efficient it is than what you you're doing you yeah think it is. <laughs> yeah you think it is right because um you know how many and, times i'm like i'll do that shit real quick i'll be like uh, it'll look yeah, sick just fill it with be, blacks. like because i don't draw like that you know i do the a complete opposite of that right <laughs> and so i'll be like come on it's not that hard and then i start doing it i'm like this is fucking impossible i want my mm-hmm. tech pen back i want to get rid of all the shadows <laughs> this sucks you know, like to to the to that end though, like you know what I followed, what I followed quietly on the ease for extinction thing. Like they were like, oh, you know, when I got an email like, do you want to do ease for extinction? And I was like, fuck yes. And then I was like, wait a minute, I just finished reading the email. Yeah, that works. <laughs> like I just I just responded fuck yes before I even finished reading the rest of the email. But uh, it was like incredibly nerve wracking for the same reason. And then on top of that. Like, Chris Burnham, who's, like, another guy in that, like, another link in that chain, is, like, writing it, uh, like, big pressure, right? Because works with Grant Morrison, who I also respect, and then, like, the the book is, like, you know, 20 years after Ease for Extinction, like, we're taking it up or whatever. Like, 
so I get to just do those designs and those characters that, that quietly had like laid down and you know, it is, it's like a weird feeling. Cause I, I didn't want to be like, okay, this guy just really wants to be quietly, even though I, I did <laughs> like, even though I, that was like kind of my thing, but I was, you know, I had my own version. I have my own version of what he does. Like, I'm not trying to do one-to-one. I'm trying to bring my own shit into it. Cause I'm not, I'm not him. Right. Right. Which is, I'm sure how you feel when you're like, Cause I, I, you know, I just knowing you, knowing your work, I know the, the sensibilities. When I look at him and you, I see the similar kind of like faces, and I see like more like the the layouts. I feel like are are like kind of uh, it reminds me of his storytelling, um, like clean but dynamic and just like well thought out. Um, and it's you know it's interesting to to think about like your influences and how you sort of reinterpret them for for you to be you know and it's what's different between you know there are lots of artists that are just straight one for one ripoffs of of guys that they like yeah thank you man yeah you know i i look at it like i think we absorb through osmosis the things that we feel work and the things that just kind of inherently appeal to us aesthetically and then um you know there are there's definitely there are two ways to do it right you can try to duplicate it like completely faithfully or you can put it through your own blender and then what comes out is a mixture of you know all your influences and and you know the things you've learned along the way and stuff but yeah i mean the way that his work is you know he used such like high contrast in the way that it he blocks out shapes and and panels and directs the eye you know with those shapes i think was definitely something that that i have uh absorbed quite a bit of yeah. Or tried to, at I, least. <laughs> I noticed that in your art, you generally have, like, a thinner line sort of, like, rendering with it. And you, you'll you do ink washes where, like, seems like he would never do something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I there was a period of time where I was definitely doing... I think I was kind of, like, finding myself, you know? It's like... Yeah, like, totally. Like a, like a teenager who was like, no, I, li- I drink tea now, Mom, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing a lot of high-contrast stuff. Like, you can you can see it a lot in Mother Panic, of course, but then also um, right. in the James Bond stuff that I did. Uh, I was like, you know, he'll do this stuff where he'll imply a face with, like, you know, a really strong, like, shadow under the cheekbone and like a shadow under the nose and just sort of the shadows around the eye, but without drawing every eyelash and every, you know, sort of like little swirly line in the, in the iris and whatnot. And so I was, I was picking up a lot on that. And I think I went much further in that direction. And then once I kind of got a better understanding of it, then I relaxed a bit and started to incorporate a little bit more of the kind of detail that I was doing before. That's funny because that's where I feel like I was at once I kind of like, like I never fully got, I could never do like a one for one quietly. I always think, it, you know, like I just can't, the limitations of me as an artist, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But like mixed, mixed in with that, I don't want to do that. Right. 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 Like I have other interests too. And you know, it's funny because we've talked about this before in regards to like where we come from outside of comics. Like you were a break dancer, you were like into hip hop and stuff and like to copy somebody one for one. That's corny as fuck. Oh yeah, you're a biter. It was like you're... you get no respect from anyone. And and in comics, there's there that mentality isn't there. Right. It's it's <laughs> rewarded. I mean, it's literally it's rewarded <laughs> that you will they you will get work because they need to double ship a book and they're keeping the aesthetic the same. If you can draw like X Y Z, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Very and jarring. like you know, 
It's 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 funny because like you know I'm not listen I'm not from a hip hop background although you know I have bars everybody knows that <laughs> everybody <laughs> me and Ibrahim uh, Daniel have like sometimes we'll text well we would text each other a lot uh, like because like, we're friends <laughs> but sometimes if one of us just has a bar that's too embarrassing for the rest, the rest of the world to hear <laughs> you gotta share just, it just text it to Ibrahim or vice versa one time I woke up and. I just like I knew I had some bars about Ninja Turtles, so I was just like, "Hey, bro, who's your favorite turtle?" Thinking, hoping he says Leonardo, like really hoping. And then your uh, your reaction was like, "Well, I'd say Raphael, but the older I get, more like Leonardo." I'm like, "All right, cool," because <laughs> I've already written like a paragraph worth of bars for this motherfucker, like sixteen of them. <laughs> of, of like if Raphael was battling Leonardo and I just let him have it and then I'm thinking like I got his ass because these are some fi- I hit him with some fire I'm not gonna lie and then Ibrahim so so quick on the feet will just like kill me every single fucking time <laughs> this is like a like a segment from like epic rap battles and it's uh, no it's Raphael not corny no it's not corny that's the difference because the thing you, is we watch robot cool white guy that's that's first of all neither of us are about leonardo nope neither of us are white neither of us are puerto rican (laughs) so it's not lame (laughs) yeah yeah no but you know like uh in yeah in hip-hop you don't do that kind of shit you don't just copy people and you know in my background of just like just being a person it's not cool to copy people (laughs) (laughs) but in comics it's totally it's totally cool do you think that that's shit do you think that that's a, like something that people are genetically able to do? Because I don't think I could do a one for one if even if I really really tried. But then you see some people who it's like it, they're like Siler on Heroes or something. It's like they're just able to like <laughs> whoa deep cut. I know, right? People are like, "What is he talking about?" But like I've never been able to do that, and I see sometimes I even get jealous of people's ability to because I'm like, damn, like. I guess if you just want to draw exactly like Greg Capullo or whatever, you know, who, whoever is big, you know, Stuart Inman or whatever, like, that's yeah. pretty cool if you can do that. But um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I was actually just wondering about that yesterday. Like, if that's a thing where you're just born with some kind of natural ability to do that or, you know, because there are people who I feel like haven't been drawing as long or, you know, at a professional level as long or something, but they're able to just, like, make these like huge leaps from where they were to where they are by just somehow being able to like completely dissect and reproduce another artist's work. And I, I just don't know how that's done. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine like, I don't know how to draw in any style other than my own. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's interesting thing, Daniel. Cause like, I know you're a huge fan of his, of John Paul Leon's, getting back a little bit on the track of that we were mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and you don't you you don't really see it in in your work nearly as much right i like i don't want to i don't want to uh brag <laughs> no like I don't, I don't want this to sound like incredibly pretentious but sure. i i think like i've been i've been looking at my work uh, over the past couple of days especially like the holy west stuff that you've probably seen and yeah. it's almost as if i've subconsciously been melding sort of Frank Quietly's forms with John Paul Leon's contrast. 
This is inc- I realize no, this I, is incredibly yeah, pretentious yeah. that I'm like synthesizing. No, 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 no. I, too great. That that tracks from what I've seen of your work for sure. Like, yeah, like the figures are very organic, but then like the it's high contrast as opposed to like that kind of clear line style that you were doing. Like, that's I, I think that's I think that's true. Like you you know you, the way you've been approaching it has been different than you were before, and I you know I what what but you know it was surprising to me when. Like when he passed, and you were like really emotional about it. Yeah, no, I, I got emotional just now talking about the Alex Tote stuff. Sorry, like I, I, I'm still I I I reel sometimes from from creator passings, like people who like deeply uh, uh, affected me. And yeah, I guess I'm sorry I didn't like bring bring it up sooner or anything but like i i guess i was thinking i was thinking he was gonna like live forever i didn't know that he was uh going through like cancer he had he had been going through cancer for years i'll tell you Um, i i don't usually get emotional over people that i don't know you know but i was i mean i was i was that one fucked me up like no joke i I could tell yeah i was i mean i i I was literally in tears over it i was it surprised me like i was like (laughs) i i think there's a lot tied into just the sort of morality of being an artist as well as corny as that sounds you know like we spend so much time doing this and you just wonder like am i on the right track like you know i mean i know he was turning stuff in until the end like that's what got mm-hmm. me yeah. was just he was like he was grinding and making this beautiful shit when he going through all of that sickness. I think about days where I'm just like, oh, man, like my shoulder kind of hurts. Or like, you know, we mentioned that like my shoulder's been fucked up. That's why episodes have been a little uh, late. Remote <laughs> editing arm is shot. By, well, my, my, my drawing arm was fucked. Then I fell behind and whatever. But it's also it's all excuses when this man was battling cancer and putting out work that is like super high level. Yeah, and, and like, you know my wife. Never... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, just you didn't hear you didn't you didn't hear about it. Yeah, and to to the point that like it hit me t- kind of hard was when I got into comics. He was around, and I assumed he was old. I assumed this dude had been around forever, and then you start hearing about when he was coming up, and it's like that's not that long ago. Yeah. Like it's, it's really not like the, you know, the static X thing he was doing when he was in college, uh, there was that interview where Walt Simonson was talking about like, oh yeah, like, you know, John Paul Leon, like he was taking my class and, uh, I told, you know, he asked me, he asked if he could do static shock pages for homework because it was going to be hard for him to balance a full-time comic schedule and his schoolwork. And Walt Simonson was like, yeah, so I said, okay. You know, like, like, cool, cool, like, uh, and then his work was just amazing in that book. And like, from there, he just like, it seemed omnipresent. Like, it didn't seem like there, there was very much like time where he wasn't producing. And even at the end when he was sick, like, I just felt like you were going to, it was like a nonstop flow of work out of this dude. And it never trickled. It just like the spigot shut off one day. Yeah, I I think too that I mean because I had heard that he had been battling cancer like pretty recently is when I heard I think I think most people like at large found out you know within the last like six months or something right and uh you know I thought like well maybe he's 
on the upswing because he's been doing so much work, you know? Right. And then you find out that like he was, you know, turning pages like up until very recently, like, and you know, my wife is an oncology nurse and like, Mm -hmm. I hear stories from her about just how devastating that, that disease is, you know? And like to think that someone is powering through that to, to keep creating art, you know? And I'm sure I mean, you know, we can speculate as to why, you know, he's, he had a kid, like, you know, family and stuff like you've got to try to leave as much as you can. And our 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 healthcare system is so fucked in this country that, you know, maybe he had to work. Who knows? Right. But yeah. like either way, the, the fact that he was doing it and just, you know, also in an age where most people would, you know, tweet out that they fucking stubbed their toe like nobody knew <laughs> right. about this, you know. Right, and he was still putting out prestige level work. It's just incredible. I think. Yeah, I think this is a, a perfect moment to uh, plug the fundraiser. That's what I was going to go there too. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because Ibrahim after after it came out, like so that day, I messaged you and was like, "Did you hear?" Like you know, because I knew how much you like loved his work, so I like reached out to you, and then it was just like just seeing the Im- like the the pouring out of like the whole industry, mm-hmm. like people that, you know, don't like each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it didn't matter. And you've made a post about that the next day that I was like instant retweet, which is like art. The industry is so fucking weird that we're in. Everybody's detached. They're all in their own little hives or whatever. And this dude meant so much to everybody that everybody just kind of like, you would just see the same post, which is just, the GoFundMe link with like nothing, just like John Paul Leon Memorial fundraiser GoFundMe, and you you just saw like the amount go up so fast, so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got like, emotional it, seeing the amount go up. Same. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so rare that I mean, like to to your point, Ramon. Like, when does comics like show the fuck up for something like universally in that way? You know yeah. what I mean? Like we couldn't. With the comics gate stuff, you have so many people pussyfooting around it or, you know, hemming and hawing or not not putting a foot down or whatever. Um, you know, I mean there's always some kind of drama or infighting, or whatever, but it was like this was people just like I mean, from the highest, you know, uh people in the industry to like, you know, fans alike, like everybody was pitching in and it and it went from a two thousand dollar goal to like it's probably at 50,000 now in a matter of what, like four days. Yeah. 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 Normally you only get the kind of Kickstarter or uh, fundraising for comics. If Keanu Reeves is involved, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, like it's, it was, it was like kind of empowering that as a community to see fans, pros, everybody that could like chip in a little bit, a lot from some, in some cases, you know, like, because we just love this dude. Yeah, not to be too morbid or anything, but we need like nobody to from comics to die for at least a couple months. We're not gonna show up for you like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like we've already exhausted all of our showing up and and our love <laughs> and attention. And if somebody dies right now, we're like it's gonna feel like we're faking it. It's it's it was it was a beautiful moment, like honestly, mm-hmm. and it's it's a weird thing to say because, like Ibrahim points out, like our healthcare system is like fucked, like it shouldn't be a situation where like this man has worked his entire life at like a high level as a comic book artist, like higher than 
many of us would, could ever dream to reach, you know, um, inspired in, an insane amount of people. And now it's at a situation where like, you know, they had to throw a GoFundMe up to, to raise money for his family. Like they should be taking care of the amount of work that he's put in, the amount of time that he's put in. But it's just like the system that the, the comic business that we're in, the the fucked up sis you know the fucked up healthcare system that we have that it probably drained a lot of his resources to get treatment that would allow him to stay alive so he could earn for his family like it's 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 a depressing thing to think about um through the love that we have for him yeah no that's completely true i can't like i can't imagine not being like not being able to rest in peace because of that yeah um having that sort of like financial worry and, and <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where like you know it's like i hope he knew when he was alive like how much he meant to everybody yeah well it's hard to go ahead sorry it, it's i was to say it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine that a person could you know what i mean well yeah cause, i mean he was such a humble guy and like Daniel was just saying, uh, you know, on the, the Toth episode of that podcast that he did, like, you know, he he was speaking with such reverence for Toth and then such like doubt of his own abilities or whatever. And it's like, you know, that's the sort of like beautiful poetry of the whole thing. Right. It's like if he was full of himself, we may not have revered him as much, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I know, in fact, some of the artists that are full of themselves, we fucking hate them. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, before we before we uh move on to Earth X itself, yeah. Uh, from that Toth interview, uh, since you brought it up, like there's this moment which in in which he's talking about Toth, right? And I I kind of gathered a, a quote, and because it's a podcast, it's like a little bit meandering. He's talking about a lot of a diff- a lot of different things, but uh, the gist of it is like, can you think of an artist? I I was thinking about Toth who who's held in such high regard mostly by other artists and it's a weird career because he's not really known for any specific character he's more known for a large collection of short stories that he did with a variety of different writers i can't think of another artist whose people have tracked down old jobs and my exposure to toth comes from reprints i can't think of another artist who people pay so much attention to and his work is so scattered. It's, you know, can you think of another artist? I was thinking about, you know, about, about Toth and, and how he's held in such high regard. Mostly, I think, by other artists who are, you know, working on, on comics. And, and he's, he's a weird career because he's not really known for any specific character. And though he, you know, he invented the Bravo for Adventure, he's not really known for that. No. He's, He's kind of more known for a large collection of short stories right. that he did. And, you know, with a variety of different writers and, and I guess some of the early stuff he worked with, with inkers, but mostly he's inking himself. And, I mean, I can't think of another artist whose people have, you know, just tracked down old jobs. And my, my exposure to Toth does not come from picking up the comics he was working on, you know, when he was working on them. So it, it it's all comes from reprints. Um, and uh, um, I just, I can't think of another artist who 
um, in a way is so people pay so much attention to, um, and his body of work is kind of scattered. And that's yeah. that's John Paul Leon. That, yeah, that's, that's him. Yeah. He's talking about himself here. Yeah, I mean, he's one of you know maybe five artists in my life that I have like literally tracked down everything they've done that I could find. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I hope DC puts out like one of those graphic art things. Like, I mean, yeah. first of all, so that his family could get money from that, but also just because it would be fucking sick to have just like because they did. I know they did one for Darwin Cook. They did one for Quietly, which is like that's how it was for me. And Quietly was all those things that are in that book, like the, the eight page stories or whatever. I fucking bought so many random ass little comics. Yeah. I have a. I got the collection of them at every like you know the cons I would go to whatever whatever. And then they put it out, and I'm like, oh, great. Now I can just never look at these again, and yeah. I have the book. <laughs> like, it would be nice to have that so I don't have to find my two issues of Detective Comics and, right. my, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, just if there was a thing, a, a bound collection of all the stuff, it would be like, that would be sick. Yeah, I hope they do that for, for both of those reasons. That would be really nice. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I thought of that. <laughs> that was cool <laughs> of you to think of that. <laughs> So let's get into Earth X for a little bit. Uh, we're not going to get too deep into it. I just wanted to talk about it so that we have a, you know. It's mostly I, an excuse. It's mostly an excuse to talk about his art a little bit. Um, and this is a, also an excuse to get me to shut up about Earth X. He's like, <laughs> we did that episode, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> you well, now you're going to tell me now. that we need to re-universe X and it's going to fucking break my mind again. No, I wouldn't. Like, as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as John Paul Leon is off these books, the concept of Earth, Universe, whatever, X falls flat. Oh, I thought like, you were going to say, as soon as, he, as soon as John Paul Leon leaves a book, you don't need to read it. Like, Mother Panic. <laughs> no, no, no. But specifically these these uh series is like I was uh following August August on on Twitter and she and she was uh tweeting about reading Earth X and then as soon as uh she transitions over to reading Universe X she stopped. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not as you? interesting like they they're especially like this this is not an issue that uh we can do the regular reading like line for line. This is too much. It's way too much, <laughs> but but there is some good stuff in it for sure. And I think the 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 main thing I want to point out is it, this thing is such a fucking mess. But there's always like these little nuggets in the middle of it where they're like awesome. And in the zero issue, there was one moment that that really stuck out where they talk about mankind, and he says uh, this race you cling to is is temporal, a phantom flesh that does not yet know that it's obsolete. There is, there is no good, there is no evil, there is only life and death and the struggle to survive, the struggle to create heroes, which I thought was just, like, beautiful to read in, like, the wake of, of John Paul Leon's death of, like, here, oh, here's a casual, like, meaning of life thing that sounds really neat and, like, applicable to, to him, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, you know, I mean, obviously there is good and evil, but, or, you know, there's our understanding of it. But they're like the most of life is just to struggle to create heroes. That's just like the life of being a comic artist, especially working in the big two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like quite literally, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but the first issue that uh, I want to get you, uh, we open up with Captain America, and we see uh, the 
this is the problem that I have with with the zero issue is you read all this in the zero issue, this like opening stuff about Captain America, his like origin. They're these cool two page spreads. But all of this stuff is like also in the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like they condense (laughs) they condense every character's origin into the the issue zero, which is why it feels like uh, so relevant. But then each issue starts with a protagonist character basically so issue one does start with captain america and captain america becomes uh like the focal point of the issue in the future scenes as well but then by the second issue it's the fantastic four by the third issue it's if i'm not mistaken uh, i i'm i'm blanking on that but like every Every issue has a, a sort of like a POV character, a character that the world focuses on a little bit more. Um, yeah, and it's it's a really bad, uh, <laughs> it's a really bad device because, like I said, if you read this in the trade, like you know, most mm-hmm. of us are going to, uh, you're going to get that all in the zero issue in like a pretty well paced way, like well paced but extremely dialogue heavy. That's the other thing. And this then, book is so fucking wordy. Yeah, it's pretty dense. And then ah. this book starts. This book starts without telling you all that crazy shit with the Watcher on the moon, <laughs> which feels like very relevant context to the rest of the book. Yeah, like I don't know how it came out. Like, would I was gonna zero... ask that? Yeah. What... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it came I, out with a zero. I only read this as issue. a trade. Like, Same. So, so it's it's hard to say really. Um, yeah, I mean, I got it on I got it on Comixology because I didn't want to wait like for, to get shipped here. Mm-hmm. Um, which also, by the way, a, a cool reading experience just because it's like you're you're a machine man, like you <laughs> you know what I mean, like you feel you have like that screen in front of you, giant yeah. screen showing you all these images. Like it wasn't made that way, but it's an interesting way to read it because uh, in the thing he sort of disconnected from humanity. And John Paul Leone's like like kind of realist art style, but it's it's realist it's realism in a way where it's not like you said like uh, Alex Ross. It feels kind of like uh, like they're kind of like because of his like thick brush. It's I don't know. It just feels more organic, but flatter sometimes. Like yeah. more more graphic. I don't know. Yeah, it's very graphic. I can't think of any other artist that could have pulled off Machine Man like that. Like, dude, no. He's a character that, that he literally. This Machine is, Man is iconic. Yeah, he's translucent, and you see, like, he's basically clear, like a clear. He he's a mechanical, like almost Terminator like skeleton, with like just clear, you know, skin and muscle and and everything on top of it. So it's the form of a man that's transparent. And he's able to make it emote using like shadow and just like gesture in a way that I don't, I can't envision any other artist pulling that off. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't you no, think other real. people would just do like way too much and it would just be like, you're drawing yeah. every sprocket and shit and we don't know what this character's feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, it's very evocative, like emotionally, just like you said, all those things that, you know, artists like i i think about uh like jeff darrow who i also like really love and he he has the robot in a uh, hard-boiled and you don't get that kind of emotion in it because it's just like a fucking robot mm. it's like you see every gear you see everything 
but you you don't get the same emotion. It's just like detail for detail sake and that kind of thing, which is cool. But it's it's it, you're not gonna if 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 this book was done like that, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel anything for that robot, right? And this is so expressive that you know you do feel for that poor little robot. Um. So yeah, well, one thing I want to go back on a bit is the cover for this book is is semi is pretty iconic. Um, I feel like I do feel like I've seen this a lot, like just in you my life. You mean the the trade paperback or the first issue? The first issue, the Alex Ross uh, one, okay. where it's like uh, Captain America and he's bald. Daredevil and Red Wing. Yeah, is that there? That's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the the the. Earth-X Daredevil. There's a lot of fascinating right. little things, and I wish like we could touch up on them, but like this Daredevil is a guy who doesn't die. He's Yeah, um, he doesn't die, and I think they speculate that he's Deadpool at one point. That would make a lot more sense, actually. Like, I, I, that, this is uh, news to me, but it makes sense to the, to the story. Yeah, I think I read, like, a, I think Thing or somebody casually references it in, like, issues five or six. That he thinks it's Deadpool. Visually, uh, but, he's like a mix of uh, Ghost Rider and Daredevil. Which is weird. That's why I was like, oh, who's this guy? But unfortunately, he's not in the first issue. Yeah, He's not in the first issue. We can't talk about it. And I don't even <laughs> understand why he's not in the first issue if you have him on the cover because he's so sick. <laughs> you know, I never but, noticed the octopus on the cover before. <laughs> yeah, the Hydra's there. Yeah, Hydra's there. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. And then we have... Captain America, and uh, I had a Bald little... Bald icon, I, Captain America. Yeah, and I, I found, like, the interesting of, uh, like, the the designs by Alex Ross are, are, like, pretty sweet in this book, which is, like, the, you know, one of the big selling points of it is you like all the cool design work he did in Kingdom Come, like, it's that, like, times a thousand in this thing. Those designs got the book made. Yeah, basically, like, they, I you said that Wizard was like, oh, do that. So he did it, and then Marvel was just like, oh, hey, well, while you have that here, would you like to just make this book with us? Yeah, uh, in, in 1997, uh, Wizard Magazine asked Alex Ross to create a, a kingdom come for Marvel, and it did so well that they republished the article as the Earth-X sketchbook, and it sold out to the point where Marvel just hit him up for the full series based on those notes. Yeah, it's tight. <laughs> And then, and then you have Red Wing, which is like the new Falcon. Who, who's uh? It's interesting because just today they put out like the a new design for like a Native American Captain America. Very ironic. Oh, yeah, that I saw that. that. that uh, it's not good. I mean, yeah. shout out to the artist. I mean, you know, like I'm sure they tried. Yeah, glad somebody got paid, but the politics of that make me incapable of appreciating it. Yeah. So, anyways, we move past we move past the uh, the origin, and we see we see Machine Man looking down on Earth from the moon. Which, again, you don't know why because that's all in the Zero issue. And then we see the Inhumans uh, arriving to Earth from space. Uh, now, this is a big thing, which is like Black Bolt is one of the main villains of the book because he has blinded the Watcher. He sets the whole thing in motion. He blinds the Watcher, and then he spreads the... What is it? Terrigen Mist. Like, this book, what what it does is 
like we're I'm going to end up talking about like uh some of the lore of the book but what it does is it unifies a lot of concepts like for example um is that a thing by the way that is in other like in, I've never read Terrigen Mist comic. is the, like the key in humans uh ingredient like if Black Panther has vibranium uh the inhumans uh if you don't know too much about them they're like special people who if you're chosen you go into this cave that has the mist and you come out manifesting powers mm. well, it's, and, it's funny it's funny because we mm-hmm. just did uh ibrahim we just did green lantern rebirth and i'm <laughs> spouting lore left and right like green lantern lore mm-hmm. and uh this is what it feels like, like to be on the other side of that. It's neat. Yeah, yeah. Like it's funny that we did we did those this episode right after that because I can see I I, I can see things from the other side now. Like I was, as you're like I you're was a dummy. Reading. Everyone knows Turgeon mists. There, there was a. I'm like, yeah, Turgeon mist, bro. There like, was a quick primer in the zero issue for the right. Turgeon I didn't understand yeah. it. Haven't you you watched all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC Family? Hell no. But similar, Ibrahim, to when I was in school reading about history, a lot of that stuff washes over me. (laughs) I just know about it because it was like, I think it was part of Civil War II, which I only read. Olivia Coipel did an issue of it. So naturally, I I read that one. Mm -hmm. And then I just didn't read the rest of it. (laughs) But uh, I know that that was a thing within Marvel again recently for a bit because i believe it's like a tie-in with the um yeah they were stuff. pushing they were really pushing in humans they had that mini series that nobody saw that right. was a complete failure with anson mounts who like went on to do cool stuff in star trek but um they marvel really wanted with, to make it a thing marvel within humans they've always wanted to make it a thing and <laughs> they're like it's, it's not always happening it's not one happening. of these days they're gonna hit but they've put literally anybody, anybody and everybody that they could to make you care about Inhumans on it, and every the reaction is always the same, which is like, oh, cool, like, maybe I'll read that someday. I don't know. I think there's something <laughs> so, about it that's just so fringe. Like I, I didn't even, I'd never even heard of them until a few years ago, and I, you know, I pay attention. Yeah. So, yeah. I, don't I know. just, I like, I remember when the Joe Mad thing came out, and I completely forgot about it, and I was in a Joe Mad kick, and I recently like sort of, oh right, he did an Inhumans thing. And, like, that's crazy to think about. <laughs> like, this is recent Joe Mad. Like, he mm-hmm. can do literally whatever he wants with his time. He's, I'm assuming, very rich. But anyways, uh, one thing I want to point out about Jean-Paul Leone's Inhumans is the the way he does, uh, what's her face? Medusa. Medusa's hair is, like, that confidence where it's just, like, yeah. big stroke, big stroke, we're good. Like, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. I and hair is such a difficult thing to do well, especially with big thick strokes like that, you know? Yeah. I love the design of Black Bolt in this. And Yeah, he looks that looks like something where I would think like if you drew that, I'm like, yeah, that's an Ibrahim thing. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the way that uh the way that JPL rendered it with like the the thick silhouettes and stuff like that is just probably my favorite visual thing in this book. He kind of reminds me of Lord Zed. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's From true. The Power Rangers, Lord Zed, if he wasn't just covered in muscle. Yeah, a lot uh, of these characters, uh, like they've changed. They look a little different. Sort of. Maybe it's that their their uh, evolution or their mutation continues. But 
I I don't know that there's an actual reason for them to look different mm-hmm. other than to make it Kingdom Come, you know? Like, That's yeah. So many so many of the decisions on this book were sort of like where Kingdom Come goes right, we go left. <laughs> right. And and it leads to really fascinating things like uh like Black Bolt's design. Like they never uh explicitly say like why he does you can't even see his mouth anymore but it looks great i love the the big-headed dude um uh, is that karnak i don't know is karnak yeah karnak he just looks funny as i just want to say yeah and you know again to jpl's credit like he can take these like real goofy designs and and make them look so believable yeah, yeah. Oh, I just mean like the cartooning on it is so good. Yeah, like, every face that he makes is hilarious. I think it's intentional. Um, so they <laughs> like making yeah, so him they, like purposefully uh, thinking he's he's smarter than he is. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. I love it that we're the humans are in town for a wedding, which is all, all my favorite rom coms and TV <laughs> show episodes start. And they realize that you know their home is like overgrown with like weeds. Nobody's there anymore. It's like kind of in ruins and. Uh, they so they're like you know what we're not gonna be here anymore what is it the hidden land we're taking off to New York City baby and they're using uh, a city that um, don't sleep I lockjaw basically like lockjaw's dead sorry oh uh, is that what that and, is and so they're using the rod on lockjaw's head as a teleportation <laughs> device I didn't even put that together that makes sense oh okay. yeah I, yeah so you know uh. It, it, it's again. It really interesting, sort of tragic decisions in in terms of um, character development that feel very much like an attempt to Kingdom Come. So now we're in New York, uh, where dreams will find you, or whatever Alicia Keys says. <laughs> um, <laughs> something, something, red, green tomatoes, something like that. And, uh, you know, they're wandering around. They're like, oh, gross. There's all these, uh, I guess, inhumans here now. They're all uh, deviants. I don't, I still, like, I read it yesterday and I do not remember the word. <laughs> wait, the wait, it's real quick. It's like a world where everyone has powers. Were you, yeah. Daniel, were you just saying the where she says uh, the concrete jungle where dreams are made of? You changed that something, to Red Green Tomatoes. Something, something, Red Green Tomatoes. <laughs> I was trying to figure out the reference. I was like, what is he talking about, Red Green Tomatoes? All right, sorry. Go Is ahead. it concrete jungle where <laughs> dreams are made of? Yeah, I was gonna say that, and I was like, "That's probably oh, there the you words. go." That's that. That's what I was hearing when I was listening to the song. How come Hove's not? How, by the way, how come Hove's not here? Yeah, nobody, nobody addresses where Hove is at. <laughs> Where's <Yeah>. Super Hove? <laughs> Where's Lil Ma in this in the Earth X? <laughs> um, yeah, so. So, so basically, what I, New York is like a freak show, or like the world is a freak the world show. is a freak show, right? Just like yeah. in real life. So we cut to what? I, one of the things that really annoys me about this book is like it sometimes reads like uh, somebody with ADHD is telling you a story, because that's kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, and now there's Captain America, and he's here, and he's bald now, and I'm like, oh, okay. So nothing with the Inhumans. That scene just ends kind of yeah, abruptly. Yeah, they just got to New York. Whatever. Yeah, they're oh, we're here now. Anyways, we're not going to come back to them. Just hold off on that. And it, it it only gets more annoying in that way as it goes on. Like some, I was reading some of the last issues, and they are incomprehensible. Not because I haven't read the stuff that comes before, because I do that literally all the time. 
I'll just read the last issue after the first one and then try to like see how we got there. <laughs> um, but th- it was like I like this. The storytelling is so insane. You do that with a lot of stuff, don't you? Like, didn't you only watch the last season of Game of Thrones? Yeah. Well, I wa- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's a, a bold move. Well, I watched the first like two or three, and then I was like, all right, I got it. And then I watched <laughs> the last one because people were buzzing. And then you watch the last one so you can make fun of people who liked it. No, that's not why. Um, that's not entirely why. That's just a that's just a, <laughs> a, a happy accident. By I literally, I literally only watched the last episode of of uh, Watchmen. So like, I got it. I, I've seen. I've read Watchmen. Oh man. Um. Uh. Anyways. Yeah. So he. So we got Captain America. They're fighting squids. A really uh, him nice and, uh, two-page spread. And and I, we see like one of the funniest things about um, coloring on John Paul Leon's art is that he uses so much black that the colorist has to like color hold the American flag off of I, I, Captain America. You say funny, I say fucking annoying. It is. It, 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 it's completely <laughs> there's like annoying. Weird like there's a lot of color holds over stuff, and yes. it's like, dude, stop. But there wasn't like I I understand the editorial mandate that his he had to like the flag had to be like visible or understandable on him. I don't. <laughs> I do not understand that editorial mandate. I'm I'm a little frustrated when I when I see it. It just looks ugly because they add it these does. gradients over background elements where it's just like it would be stronger if it was black. It's it's mostly unforgivable. Uh, I'll yeah. give you that. Um. But man. What what shots? <laughs> yeah, like they're confronted. The two page spread is so sick. They're 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 being they're being uh wrestled or or attacked by a mob of octopus possessed people, mm-hmm. and and these are supposed to represent Earthex's Hydra. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so him and um, Red Wing, I keep forgetting the name, although it's you know. I love Red Wing boots, and this is, this is my new obsession. So I'm, I shouldn't be forgetting this. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, if he if he had Red Wing boots, that would have fixed a lot of my problems. Speaking but. of boots, why is Captain America just wearing like pillowcases over his feet with a rope around his ankle? Like they don't uh, have shoes in this future. Like I saw people eating takeout and stuff. Like it's still kind of yeah. normal. <laughs> yeah, it feels like like his original boots, but he decided to like tie them. Yeah, I don't like, get it either. Like he just he was like so such a stickler for sticking to that original outfit or something that he was like, <laughs> I'll wear it until that shit falls apart. <laughs> Man, Kevin Murray, you could have got some other boots. Why are you playing? He's like, Look, yeah. I grew up in the depression. We held on to stuff, you know. <laughs> this book I mean, also feels that... like the it feels like the last throws of uh the way of drawing boots from old comics where you just had to draw like a boot shape and give it a sole. And that was it. You, well, here's you the thing. Captain America does come from the cobbler era. And I know from being a boot guy now that there's not a lot of cobblers. So maybe in this mm-hmm. era, the similar cobblers went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain America just kept rocking them. But if he would have been able to get those shoes resold, those things are lasting forever. Those Decay boots. of society. They, they don't make boots like they used to. That's one thing. That's, that's, one right mm-hmm. but uh anyways so yeah he's they're fighting the hydra which is now like a alien it, it's sharon carter it's it's like a mega it's like a mega collective life form and i looked i actually like went to the wikipedia and i saw some things that explained 
things that I didn't even know about this book. This book is so dense that, I, like, on the wiki I learned stuff. And apparently it was created by Norman Osborn to facilitate his election. Because <laughs> Norman Osborn is president in this in this book. And so yeah. there's there's a lot of there's a lot of instances like for example Daredevil where you have a classic character name and and something completely different taking up that mantle like Red Skull for example. Yeah. Um it, it and so But Hydra then you also have an annoying is... thing you have an annoying thing by the way where then with Red Skull it's a classic thing in that it's Punisher's costume but it's mm-hmm. not Punisher. There is no Punisher. It's just Red Skull, and he's the Nazi. It's so confusing. But anyways, yeah. So what were you Hydra, saying? Hydra is is like this. Uh, um, what's what's the word? It's like the Borg. It's a hive mind of yeah. of everyone, sort of like living in a completely complacent egalitarian swarm. Uh, a lot of like a lot of this battle. Or the Captain America and Red Wings battle here is like an ideological battle to give up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he sees his friend, uh, the Falcon, in the mix, which is one of those things where I'm like, "Come on, you're telling me there's a a street full of zombie squid people, and one of them just <laughs> happens to be his friend." Like, that's a little yeah. convenient, right? Yeah, Dum Dum Dugan. This is where Howling Commandos is there. This is where some asshole who like lives in New York but isn't from (laughs) New York goes like, "Uh, actually, if you've ever been to New York, you know that you run into people like all the time. (laughs) Like the things I live in Stockton. Things like I live in Stockton, and it's not that big. It's not as big as New York, and I never see people that I know around town. I do run into people I know whenever I leave my house, though, in Portland. It's like how that's (laughs) that's because you know everybody. It's true. It's how it's how New York people always like will see certain celebrities in certain spots. It's like that. Yeah. 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 Oh Dim- my god! Dum-dum I ran Dugan. into Octopus Dum Dum Dugan in Soho. <laughs> he got. He's been. He's looking so fat these days, but that's cool. I'm happy for him. He looks happy. He's got a cool mustache. Now. Yeah, he joined the collective. <laughs> he's never been happier. Um. Yeah, and so. Red Red Wing is like, bro, will you just kill some of these motherfuckers? And Captain <laughs> America's Wing, like, Red Wing is carrying right now, and and Cap is basically uh, uh, catatonic. Yeah, he's just like, I don't want to do it. These are my friends. He's like, oh really? Because they look like just squid fucking zombies. And then in the middle of the fight, we cut to fucking Cyclops. <laughs> Hell yeah! Which had <laughs> me like, scene. let's go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love Cyclops, but there was no natural transition. It's just like, oh, Cyclops is here now. He's in it's the a New alleyway. York thing. Yeah, New York thing. It's He's New just York around. Thing. Yeah, he was just catching a play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, so he's just hanging out in the cut. And at first, I thought it was uh, Daredevil. If this was written today, he would be like, "I have Hamilton tickets. Let's make this quick." <laughs> <laughs> Giving him like snappy, like cringe one-liners that are like very relevant to right now. You know. <laughs> yeah, immediately dating it. Like part of this book is good because it's not dated like that. It has no references to, which is like the era that came after this, basically. Right. Um, but Cyclops is is sort of like a silent citizen who just doesn't want to be fucked with, until he sees that there's this young powered kid who who is also resisting the Hydra, and he. 
he gets a, a sort of a, a a a like a paternal instinct. I feel like paternal he, or <laughs> he's like because he's thinking like he says sigh was that how you felt Charles when I first looked you in the eye. I miss you, teacher. Nothing's the same anymore. It's like, damn, dude, is that how you felt when like you saw a little boy that you were like, this little boy is special? I need to create a whole house so that I could have this little boy live with me. <laughs> yeah, he. <laughs> I'll call he it. Just came up with that idea there. I'll call it the Scott Summers School for Little Boys. <laughs> <laughs> for little fire boys. What? So, but this kid, he like helps this kid. He's like, "Are you okay?" And he goes to help him up, and the kid just like breathes fire on him, and he's a fire breather. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and then and then he has that whole sort of whims, you know, wistful conversation as the kid's like running away. He's like, "I'm in love." It's very genuine. It's a very genuine to, line, though. I need to start a school. I just can't imagine. Yeah. Like, I've had teachers that I really liked. You know, I've never stood like in the middle of the street going like, oh, "I miss you, Lynn West from the sixth grade." I mean, shout out to Lynn West. <laughs> <laughs> as an out. aside, as an aside, I want to say that like this book is great for subverting uh, Wolverine. Uh, yeah, it's Wolverine <laughs> and Jean Grey, like when they show up in it, and Wolverine just like fat and like yeah, and, and and he's telling Jean Grey like I'm not fat, I can't gain weight, and she's just like, <laughs> dude, look at you. <laughs> yeah, they're just like the worst couples uh, from high school. Uh, who like the girl you crushed on in high school is having an absolutely awful life. Yeah, Cyclops really dodged a bullet not getting with Jean Grey. Um, if he was but, with her, he mm-hmm. would never have met this young fire breather. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been like, he's just trying to rob you. That, that would have been the Jean Grey of that time. But like, it it shows the moment where this book was made, where... Wolverine was not the end-all, be-all of stories. I mean, in 96, he was, though. Uh, I, I think I think that what they did afterwards I mean, with Okay, Origins, maybe there was a tipping point after this. Where, where they kind like, of, like, made him immortal. Sure. Like, it, it, it created, like, Old Man Logan. It created, like, these things where Wolverine was just going to be a constant throughout time. Whereas that wasn't set in stone during this moment it's like the twin towers are up yeah instead he's like uh wolverine is the descendant of moon boy the classic moon boy <laughs> i mean like, moon boy is classic but he's just a little like monkey freak guy yeah and there's like that's what wolverine is he's a little monkey dude and so the natural arc of that original wolverine was to just become like a beer belly couch potato man yeah, who has like stupid shirts? <laughs> stupid, speaking of stupid shirts, speaking of yeah. beer-bellied little little freaks, we cut mm. to Spider-Man, mm-hmm. my favorite in this comic. I love how Spider-Man looks. It looks like Jack Kirby. Yeah, he looks like Jack Kirby. Yeah, it's so sick. I love that you just got like divorced single dad Peter Parker. <laughs> well, I don't think he's divorced, right? I think uh, Mary Jane. Yeah, he's he's widowed. He's widowed. Yeah, I don't know why. I hope it's and not he's... a dark rain thing. But. He's he is sort of like the the most normal guy in in the in a world full of like super powered people at this point, as, like as he should be. And then and then we get one of the most egregious things in this whole yes. fucking book. Yes, a thing where I saw it and I was like, "You can't be fucking serious." Right now. <laughs> I was rereading this and I'm, I'm and I was like, "Oh, this is uh, <laughs> not gonna like this." Has not aged well at all. So we. No. Peter Parker is stopped on the street 
Somebody calls him Spider-Man. He turns around. Who could be calling me by my by my old name? It's Luke Cage, but not Luke Cage, Sergeant Cage. Luke Cage is a cop now. Uh, and he's wearing a cop uniform, except his belt is like a chain that is wrapped around his waist. It's like times. a combo of his original costume and a cop uniform, which it, like I almost gagged as I said that. Now, I'm I'm at the, it's kind of this bittersweet thing because the chain is so beautifully rendered by JPL. Like, yeah, it's so simple, but it completely reads as a chain, right? But then you're like, why is mm-hmm. he wearing a chain? Like. It, like, <laughs> the, like he brought it to the squad room or whatever, and they're like, "What are you doing? We have standard issue belts." And he's like, "It's nah, my thing. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm Power Man. I'm Luke Cage." They're like, "How are you going to clip your gun or your mace or your handcuffs or anything to that? It's a, it's literally like a chain that you would use to tow like a boat." And I'll he's just like, "I'll worry about that." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I worry about that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Peter Peter Parker's like, "I don't want to do that." Uh, Peter Parker says A cab and bye. Yeah, Peter Parker says A cab and we love him for it. <laughs> um, I was yeah, trying to, I was get also a trying glimpse. to figure out. I was trying to figure out what his jacket is because I, I see it says like there's something there, but I couldn't figure it out. And I was wondering if it was JPL doing something. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember the design, but you know. Anyways, yeah. Then we see a glimpse of his daughter May, May Parker, May, who's who's great. Uh, she's uh. In later issues, you see, like, this, she's basically Venom. Yes. Before there was too many symbiotes, she's just Venom. Um, she's like, Venom, but she's red Venom. So she's Carnage, yeah. but she's looks like just hot Spider-Man, like, you know, babe yeah. Spider-Man, but with Venom. It's one of those things where it's like, here's here's things that we like. We like a babe. We like a Venom. We like Spider-Man. We like red. So and, let's just mix those things, and we got a winner. And Spider-Man disapproves of her. Like, I feel like it's a very genuine sort of father-daughter beat where he disapproves of her doing this thing that he had problems with as a young man. But she has control over. Does he still have yeah. the powers in this? He does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and when it, later on when you see it, he puts on like a... Like a Halloween costume version of his costume, which is oh, kind of I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of awesome. Yeah, it has it has like the Amazing Spider-Man on it, written on it. You can really the, see in that page the, the first full panel you see of Peter Parker's face. You can really see the Jorge Zafino influence on mm-hmm. uh, JPL there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was gonna say, uh, like J John Paul Leon, like his. Uh, there are things in this book that just work and it feels like natural and not like a, like a joke, like having fat Peter Parker or like fat Wolverine. Like there are times where he wants you to think something is funny. And there are times where it's like fat, fat Spider-Man. He, it's not, he just put on weight. Right. But fat Wolverine is funny. And that's like, let me, let me get some comedy up. You know what I mean? Just like, there's a lot of range in this from JPL, which is kind of, you know, cool to see. And again, like he was young when he did this, right? Yeah, this this book is like he was like twenty nine, like but it's, he had already been in the industry ten years, which is the insane thing. Like thinking so about how wild, he, like he could be considered a veteran when he's doing this at twenty nine. Ibrahim, when did you get in? When did you get in and start making? Like when did you feel professional? Um, I think I was like twenty six, twenty seven, something like that. 
I was about the same. It was like when I got my Marvel job. I, before that, I didn't like one book. I think I think around around next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe the year after we'll see. Yeah. Um, Fingers crossed. But, but yeah, no, like it's uh, it, it, to think about. He had already been producing stuff for that long. It's yeah. just like it's so crazy to think about. Just in in retrospect, like I'm 33 now, and I think about where he would have been at. He would have been in the business for like 14 years and put out so much work but like it's crazy and and like his his skill level at you said you say he was 29 when he did this yeah like his skill level at 29 is better than mine at 36 you <laughs> yeah know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's just like yeah. an extra like twist of the knife when you put it in perspective like that yeah, exactly. Like I could not do this. I could not do the the vault like the um, the sheer amount of pages this fucking thing is. The scope of how many fucking characters there are. The like just any part of this. There's not one part of like compartmentalize the actual drawing. I couldn't do the the pressure of doing like an Alex Ross thing where Alex Ross is on the cover, the like maybe second biggest comic artist in the world if you count him as that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It's like like, broad appeal. Yeah. The amount of like, like you said, you pick up a a John Paul Leon book and it's Ibrahim inside, and you're just like, damn, that's a lot of pressure. You pick up an Alex Ross book and it's you inside. That's a different level of pressure, right? And he like, it's so confident. He's like, yeah, I'll do a scratchy face here because it looks great. But you know, he probably didn't think that. He probably thought like, there's so many much room for improvement. What so this comicsology collection is like 400 pages. How many like issues of this story did JPL draw in total? Do we know? 12. 12. Okay. The well, zero. 12 and the 0 and the X. Oh, so I 14. Seen the X. So and those The X were... is the last issue. Oh, okay, then never mind then. Yes. But but the 0 issue was like 48 pages or something, right? It's super long. Mm-hmm. So It's it's mm-hmm. So well, just in like so he must have done what? Let me do the math real quick. Yeah, he did. I mean, that's that's about 400 pages. Yeah. Roughly. I mean, he, yeah, so. That's wild. I mean, that's like, I think I'm pushing something like 900 total, like, public, drawn pages, published pages in my life. I've probably done 100. <laughs> but he's, you know, he did, like, half of that in one run. Like, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, back yeah, to back, nonstop. Yeah, it reminds me of a story. It reminds me of like uh, so. Steph Curry has been breaking like sort of records with three point shooting. He's like he this like month and like you know this year he's had more he's had more games where he shot more than ten uh, three points in a game than anybody has had before, including himself. Like he's just been on the hottest streak. You think about like that. Like this is. This this dude is just doing so many banger ass fucking pages, right? And it's just like every issue, with you know, it's crazy. So, anyways, and like you know, I've looked through the whole thing. It never really tapers off. It never dips. No. Well, and that's that's another thing about him in general that I was thinking about is that he's just been consistent. Like, you know, there there are some artists who completely change the way they draw from the time they get in and the time you know, like present day or whatever, and like. He's certainly grown and and like perfected it and evolved, but like it it has maintained like a a 
consistency and equality throughout in a way that like not that many other artists have done in comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the shape consistency. It, yeah. it 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 really is about the shapes that he uses. And he'll render them in different ways in different books. Um like one of the craziest things about this book is that he penciled it. This isn't his inks. Oh right. This is him and I've seen pencils of this and it's crazy to think that he can pencil something that looks so purposefully for brushwork. Yeah, that is wild. Um, because the rest of his work, he would eventually like ink himself um, and other work previously he had inked himself. Um, but uh, I guess Marvel, I don't know who made that decision, but he managed to um, convey so much of what would have been those uh, bold strokes in the pencils that it it's as if he he had inked it that's really interesting and he would have just i mean eventually i think he started kind of drawing a lot in the inking stage Mm -hmm. like with light boxing and stuff so that that's i guess part of that evolution we were talking about yeah so uh captain america and red wing we cut back to them after spider-man they're still like Captain America's like, I don't know if I should fight or if I should just join them. Like, should I just give up on this fight or should I, you know, do do my thing again? Yeah. And then he's like, all right, let's do it, I guess. Um, for a book for a book that uh, took so long to tell us so much story, I feel like they did waste a lot of pages on Captain being <laughs> a bitch. <laughs> it's frustrating like like i wish so much of the like interesting stuff from issue two could have been like slid over here instead of cap just being on his knees being like, no it's I the moral know. it's the moral arc of this issue which is one of the only issues with a focus so i do appreciate that true <laughs> i'll give you that yeah so captain america gets you know he, he decides fuck it i'm gonna fight i'm not gonna let this thing overtake me and then we get because he sees something he sees uh, something on one of the hydras that triggers him. He gets triggered, and that gives him the will to fight. We what don't is see it? what it what is. Does he see it? Oh, we don't see what it is. We don't see what it is until the end of the issue. So lasers start shooting down, and it is the Avengers. But it's a bunch of dead Avengers, and they all have the cap, the classic like Iron Man face. The Iron Avengers. Yeah, the Iron Avengers, and and Vision. Vision, which is literally looks just the Spectre. <laughs> it is exactly like the Spectre from uh, Kingdom Come. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Alex Ross is like, look, I got a bag of tricks. One of them is Hood. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we see in like a little watch that uh, Iron Man is controlling these dudes. And they're, they're, you know, vaporizing a bunch of these squids. Captain America, it sounds like him and Iron Man have beef, which, you know kind of hints at what was going to happen with Civil War. I didn't know if, like, when I was reading this, I didn't know if it was, like, a thing that started in this. Like, you know, Captain America and Iron Man, they would not fuck with each other. But, like, famously, those two are, like, frenemies. Yeah, I think I think their ideas are literally, like, the future and the past. So mm-hmm. there, there has been this... Uh, I don't want to say, like, Magneto and Xavier, but there has been, like, this sort of, like, opposites together. Yeah thing about them since uh they got brought in together with the avengers sure so yeah they uh they're talking to these little these little avenger the little wasp or whatever and uh 
Captain America. Yeah, Steve's like not rude. feeling it. He's like, yeah, he's you're not like, real. Fuck out of here, you little robot shithead. So are they just robots? They're like they're like a just a bunch of suits and then vision, or are they are there actually people inside the suits? No, they're, no, they're robots. Okay. Yeah, they're robots that are being controlled by Iron Man, who's like off. He's off chilling. Which is else. very similar to the Kingdom Come Batman, who just had those like bat yes. sentinel oh, yeah. things. It's another. Yeah, I was thinking that, about that, that too. Alex Ross was like, "I got one for you. Don't worry about that." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Red Wing's like, "Bro, why are you being a dick?" And then he's like, "Because I saw this, and it's the Red Skull." He goes, "It's a skull." He goes, "No, it's a Red Skull." And then it's like the Punisher logo, but red. And then we and then get, we a, get little like quote. a quote. <laughs> we get a little quote. These all ends with quotes. It makes it feel important. It's uh, like like one that on the lonesome road doth walk in fear and dread, and having once turned round walks on and turns no more his head because he knows a frightful fiend doth close behind him tread. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And that's it. That's the issue one. And then there's a lot of boring stuff. So let's so let's read Earth X appendix to chapter. That's not. That's absolutely not. That. But that's one of the reasons why you didn't know that President Osborne was a president because that is told in this. Oh, I knew that President Osborne was president. I, it's the it's the Hydra thing. It's the right. Hydra but I'm saying fact. like all that shit is in here. Like why why is there why is there more stuff like that? Why isn't that just some of the story in the book? Like why is this thing 12, 14 issues? That's insane. But it's you know, for for let's go a little bit of a wrap up. We're you know we want to end this. We don't want to go three hours because we want to make sure it goes up tomorrow, and I don't have to stay up all night. But uh, thoughts on the art, the issue, the legacy. Uh, Ibrahim, you wanna you wanna talk about it? Yeah, um, I mean this was like a, a real visual treat. You know, I've certainly flipped through it over the years, but I've I've never like. You know, revisiting it with with my present mind and, you know, opinions on art and reverence for JPL and stuff. It was just a really cool thing. Um, it holds up incredibly well, like visually. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to actually like read it in full eventually. <laughs> I'm <laughs> right. chipping away at it. It's it's an it like. You're, it's almost one of those books that's cooler to just flip through because it is so much. Yeah, so much. You get you get a certain amount of pages in, and you're just like, oh my god, like because there's yeah. just walls of text. Especially if you read before bed, like I do, I'm just like, well, that's gonna put me right to sleep. <laughs> like, I fell asleep like two nights in a row, and I was like, let me just read some of this, and then I'll get back to work. And I just like woke up yeah. the next day. I'm like, oh fuck me. Yeah, Daniel? even when I first read this, I feel like it took me like a week of like. Before going to sleep, uh, reading an issue. Daniel, you want to do your take? You want me to go first? Yeah, no, I, I can, I can, I can talk about it. Like I don't, I, I wrote a little bit up, but um, mostly uh, about Earth X, the story. It was a unifying theory of the Marvel universe back before history of the Marvel universe was a thing. Mm-hmm. This was the two. This was the year two thousand. Like we. Uh, we didn't have uh, the big uh, upheavals that Marvel would eventually like bring forth. This was, um, this was, it feels like a last uh, hurrah of a particular version of the Marvel universe that slowly got changed into sort of the ultimates and the Bendis age of comics. Like, 
the twin towers are visible in the skyline. Bucky is dead. Um, it, it it's dark in its outlook, but none of the superheroes are like dealing with government intermediaries. Um, like the the cynicism, the cynicism of of modern comics deconstruction isn't there instead it, it it's it's more of a meditation on on the characters themselves uh and i do think that if you actually read the text as well like you can you can get a lot of really uh beautiful little moments in this book but the biggest like thing is that earth x wouldn't exist without kingdom come so mm. it's impossible not to think about that uh that specter eh, haunting it while reading earth x so many of its narrative choices come from uh sort of trying to do the opposite and i think the best choice that the book made uh to avoid being like kingdom come was to have john paul leon do the art um, it, I wonder if it's oh sorry go ahead. Well, yeah, it 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 separated it separated the book into something completely on its own. And like Ibrahim, I picked up the book because of Kingdom Come or because of Alex Ross or like this idea that like whoa he did the same thing to Marvel, and uh the the interior hooked me on a, on a completely different level. It, it's it added a level of pathos of power to the realism that wasn't that wasn't going to be uh the same if Alex Ross had done this and i think more people are probably going to be reading this now and i i look forward to seeing everyone uh celebrating John Paul Leon's art uh, one way or another. Mm-hmm. I guess that's. I guess that's it. I, I. It's half written, half improvised. Okay. Well, listen, you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, every one of the running things that we're doing, like that we do, is he'll do that, and then I'll usually write some essay. So he'll say something, and I'll just be like, "Okay, now let me." <laughs> <laughs> no, but um. So like my mine's some some somewhat similar where it's like sort of the end of an era, but uh, I didn't really think about it in terms of the Marvel universe because I like frankly just don't care that much about it. But one thing I did feel like when I read it is you know the the reverence that this book has for Captain America and Captain America as a symbol in this comic, and it you know it starts from the way he's dressed like. You know, in this book, Captain America is bald, he's scarred, he's old, and he's dressed in a tattered flag. He's a symbol of the atomic age at the end of its journey. His design doesn't evoke the sleekness of the Jack Kirby design, but rather the antiquities of ancient cultures. He's just kind of using it as a toga, you know? He's, He's like a Greek statue. He's the idea of Captain America, the adventuring war, the adventuring warrior, the fun of the American empire, but it's stripped bare. It's uh, instead of instead of a, the atomic age, you know, sort of this bright future where America is just about to get going as the world power. Now we see him here at the end where he doesn't really have anything except for his morals. And he doesn't really think that they're worth all that much in the end. 
um, which is kind of where we're at now. And it's it's uh, it's ironic to me that they that his that his partner in this book is Red Wing, who is a Native American, and it's sort of a, an interesting contrast to have his partner here be the sort of forgotten part of that American empire, which is like the, what came before that, which is just, you know, native Americans that eventually got, uh, genocided <laughs> off the face of the earth so that this new thing could build in its wake. And so it's like a full circle moment to have them here together. And at the end, there's two paths forward that this book presents. You see it a little bit in here with the sort of, commodification of big tech and, and corporatization with the Iron Man Avengers and or or there's that or there's the sort of fascistic mind control of the Red Skull who we see is, you know, this young neo-Nazi who has the Punisher logo, which is eerily prescient of the moment that we're in now with, you know, neo-Nazis wearing fucking punisher logos all the time like there's not really it's like kind of a one-to-one thing but this was done in night what what year 2000 yeah um so you know kind of a kind of a weird eerie parallel there um and mm-hmm. oh yeah sorry so so yeah we have we have the the lack of morals because we sort of resigned to the fact that good and evil is only written by by what lasts and we know captain america is good because he's still around but he's not around for long and the ev- the ever changing story and this book mainly is about is about change and evolution captain america is important because he was the first time a superhero changed from a regular man to the superpowered man in 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 a uh you know steve rogers to captain america not the first Marvel hero that was uh, a human, human torch, torch, right? Which is where this whole book ends. Like the last thing is they create all these like little human torches that are that that wipe away the the superpower fog, so that people can just be regular, man. But <laughs> but uh, but no, but uh, the the idea is evolution and 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 making sure that you evolve into a place that's that's good and not and not evil and corrupt. And uh, creating new heroes—that's that's the whole point. It's like the, he's going full circle to the part in the Zero Issue that I said was kind of the profound moment. That you know, life and death—it's just a struggle to survive and to create heroes. And that's what the first issue does in a nutshell. So I didn't. So when when you asked about my like wrap up thoughts, I didn't realize we were going prepared. So I just want to add that. <laughs> That I yeah, found it, I found it interesting. <laughs> like coming back, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I just to circle thoughts. back, I, I just wanted to add that I found it interesting that Captain America was a paragon of hope and power, you know, born out of this successful experiment, but shrouded in the sigil of a failed one. The thing, right. a rocky noun mystified as the Terrigen fog, is much less fantastic than he was in his previous years. And uh, it was a cool book. I was like, damn, you guys go NPR on this shit. I didn't realize. uh, Oh, you know, (laughs) that's the thing is I do. And then Daniel goes, I I I try to. And I like the story. It's fun. This was probably the most I've (laughs) written for a a thing at the end. I have. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, we'll do like Young Blood number one, and it's like so the American Empire, and <laughs> it's like I have written three pages of like thoughts that I have about what Young Blood number one is about society and the military. Ramon will do like an episode of blowback at the at the end of each episode. I mean, it's great. I, I love I love when Ramon gets like that. You should sometime read the uh, subway uh, review he left on Yelp. <laughs> I I believe that Ramon's a subway man. I mean, he's jo- you're not joking. Like I've written some eloquent subway reviews in my time. Yeah, but, but yeah. So I don't want to go too much longer. But I want to I want to just say that the main thing is we love John Paul Young. Like his art in this is amazing, and you know it's it it is it is like you know I got teary when we were talking about it earlier. Just thinking about the his family left behind and his friends. You know, people that were lucky enough to know him as a person, we just kind of, the whole reason we started this is because I wanted to reconnect with the part of me that's a fan of comics first and foremost, you know? Yeah. And it's really easy to do when you have like creators like that, that are just like, seem to be really cool, nice people. And at the top of their game. uh, Yeah. And so it sucks to lose one. Um. And we wanted to make sure, because this is a fan podcast, to like, you know, show our love as fans. Not not somebody that we knew. It's just a guy who we loved. I got to meet him once at a oh, yeah. go? at a New York Comic Con. I I couldn't believe that I was I was getting that chance. Like one of the few times I got to like muster up the money to go, he was tabling and like obviously when it comes to these like absolute master artists, his table was empty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, uh, everyone was probably on some other, like, random, like, I don't know, like, Neil Francis U table or something. And all power to him. But, like, the 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 artists that are on John Paul Leon's level uh, somehow get, like, passed up by the, by the general public. Mm-hmm. And... I got to talk to him for a little bit. I got to show him a little bit of my work, um, you know, because I was like trying to get tips or really just any kind of any kind of validation uh, possible. Uh, and he was incredibly encouraging. Um, we didn't talk too much. I do that thing where even if I don't have to go anywhere, if the conversation like lasts for like five minutes, I'll just pretend like, oh, oh got to gotta go and <laughs> keep doing stuff because i i just don't want to be that pest yeah basically. bless bless anyone who does that at a convention table <laughs> i always do the opposite where like sometimes i'll keep people like if i see that they're trying to go I'm like where are you going what are you doing <laughs> i'll like try and talk to them for longer <laughs> i've done, I've done them it by the, like, by the shirt a little Stay like away. i was like oh oh they're like oh i was gonna go to this panel oh yeah i get why you'd want to talk to them instead of me like stuff like that, like you get people, you know, cause I, the thing is like, I'm just sitting there, right? Like there's, there is that thing where like, you don't want to bother somebody, but me, like I'm never working at the con until after the show. So I'm always like, man, if you, if there's nobody at my table, I'm bored as fuck. <laughs> or unless I got a friend next to me, in which case, yeah, I'll talk to them. But you know, when I'm, t- when I'm at the shows, like I like talking to people. I don't know about you guys. I do, but you know, you definitely get the, the people who just like, They've kind of we've talked about everything we could possibly talk about, and now they're just kind of like <laughs> standing there, sort of swaying with their thumb in their backpack loops, like, "Yep, yeah, well, cool." And you're like, 
okay, well, I guess, uh, you know. <laughs> so, like, oh, do you want to do you want to look through my portfolio yeah, again? Like, like, what do you what do you? And then they come back and they're like, here? yeah, they don't. They often aren't looking to buy anything. They're just like, you were nice to them, so now they're back. And yeah, like, oh, so I leave okay. five minutes before <laughs> getting to that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I was, I was reflecting on his passing and like, you know, I, I, I was saying on Twitter, like, I don't usually talk about that kind of stuff online because I find it hard to do it in a way that doesn't seem like I'm making it about myself, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I realized that with him specifically, like it, it was more about talking about how his work, uh, and you know his professional reputation and and everything really just kind of like has affected me and and my work ethic and the things that I try to do you know within this industry and and my own like growth as an artist and you know I have moments where you know like I mentioned earlier my wife is a nurse like she's like doing real shit and here I am just drawing fucking pictures like it feels stupid a lot of the time you know like <laughs> I know I love it but like what am I doing to make anyone's life better is how I feel sometimes, you know? And I wonder like, did I waste like what? I mean, should I have just like bit the bullet and done something that I wasn't passionate about, but like it was more altruistic or something, you know? And, and it made me think about like how much like he brought to my own personal life and experience, like with his work and how, how inspired I was by it. And like, you know, how much, it made me want to step up my own game and, and, you know, it raised the bar for all of us. And, you know, if, if we can, if any of us can leave that kind of imprint on our peers or, you know, not even peers, but just like colleagues beneath us. Cause really nobody was his peer. <laughs> when you think about it, like that is a life well lived and, and something that you can feel proud of as you're, you know, leaving this mortal coil. So, Dude, um, totally. Yeah. And on that note, I think we should wrap it up. We want to have I want to have you back on because we we you and I have talked about a book that we want to talk about together. Yes. And so you're going to come back and we're going to talk more about your work and everything. But this was just sort of like last this was second. Impromptu. This was an this impromptu. This was impromptu. Podcast. This was not like we didn't even have time to fully read all of EarthX like I would have done normally and done like my fucking research. But I'm glad Daniel you did a lot of that anyways. So um yeah, anyways, uh Ibrahim, where can they follow you? Find more of your work and everything? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Ibrahim underscore M underscore. Uh, if you go to countcomic.com, there's links to all my stuff and then, uh, you know, a trailer for my new book and links to buy it, all that good stuff. Yep. Daniel? Uh, y- you know you know the drill. We- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Mex Flintio, uh, the Flintio Twitter, uh, and on my own and here on the podcast. And then, yep, you can follow Flintayo on Twitter and at and patreon.com slash mexflintayo on uh, Patreon. You can support us. You know, listen, we've, we feel like we've let these people down, but we're going to – this since this will be up tomorrow, I want to say we are going to be hitting these episodes hard. We're probably going to do two weeks for a couple weeks because we have a backlog of stuff, but I, I just want to spend a day where I can just edit it. It's been hard to find that day because – me and Daniel have both been uh, hurt and sick. <laughs> so and busy as hell, too. And busy because, yeah, it's just I, I messed up my shoulder a while back. And it was just like the backlog of things that I had to get done. And then at the end of the day, when, you know, you just don't 
it's it's a whole thing. But I apologize, and we want to get back on track. So that's going to be that we have like I I want to say like three really good episodes in the in the tank. Yes, but you're hearing this one first because we wanted to make sure that we this didn't wait till all the other shit. So this is for John Paul Leon. Rest in peace, John Paul Leon, forever. We loved you. Take it away. Yeah.